Industrial psychologist and the management and leadership academic program developer at the South African College of Applied Psychology, Ms. Ashley Mudene, talking to us about the mental impact the lockdown has had or has or will have on students. Of course, this has profoundly disrupted every aspect of daily life across the globe. We are united in the struggle to make sense of the dramatic changes and the drastic steps that have to be taken. We have to adapt as best as we can to cope with a future that has never felt so completely uncertain. Of course, no one has it easy, but the young people in their final year of school and those who have just started a new chapter of their lives at university will be feeling the challenges of the global pandemic in a unique way. Think of the matric dance students yesterday who had to have it online. This is something you look forward to. It's like the highlight of your life in high school. On the tip of putting their school days behind them and entering into a new world where they carve out their future as adults, they now find themselves in a potentially long-lasting limbo because no two days in COVID are the same. Ashley Modena is in conversation with us now from the South African College of Applied Psychology. Concerns, major concerns, young people in particular, what might they possibly be going through? Good evening, Ashley. Thanks for your time. Good evening, Sangazwa. Thank you. Young people, let's talk to them because those who were in grade 11 last year who are now going to be the big fish in the small pond aren't even in the pond, really, or there's no one else in this pond because they're all alone in their homes. Those are first university students who are looking forward to all of these things that they are now not experiencing Think of the one who's in grade one who thinks this is what school is all about. I mean, everything is just disrupted for everybody. That is quite right. The overwhelm is quite real. Uh, When you just consider the challenges that anyone who's studying at the moment would be facing, just listening to what the mayor was describing, there's a broad spectrum of, of challenges um, that students would be facing from uh, emotional, psychological, just physical, resource-related challenges. So. But in reality, this is, of course, a challenge which the world itself faces, but there must be special attention paid to young people because they are at critical developmental stages themselves in their own lives. The transmission, or, or rather the progress from teenage years into young adulthood, even the cultural changes that many would have to at this time be going through. I'm thinking specifically of those who go through initiation schools, both for men and women. This is happening for them at a critical time where they're not only starting to genuinely engage their world, but more importantly and particularly, they're engaging themselves and trying to place themselves in this great big world, hoping that they are going to start an identity parade that will ultimately be who they are in life. And that is quite right, because when you just consider the adjustment that is required of uh, students and learners for every year of study, uh, be it your grade 12, final year of high school, be it your final year and you thought you'd be graduating and now either all of that has been pushed out or you are having to grapple with new ways of studying and learning. Um, It really is a new normal um, that I think lots of students um, had not either mentally prepared for or hadn't even budgeted 
for the cost on many levels that they're having to pay in having studies either delayed and being back on track maybe in a few weeks, months, or next year, who knows, or even just having to wrap their their minds around what is required of them uh, to perform successfully or finish strong. The biggest pandemic in recent memory was around about this time a hundred years ago with mm. the Spanish flu. Perhaps what might have appended the world altogether were the two world wars, World War One and Two, in the mid twentieth century. That mm. created a different world altogether, and imaginably societies would have been irrevocably transformed. The world right now is going through something quite similar to that kind of apocalypse, so to speak. Mm. Psychologically, then, what? do societies going forward have to engage and accept as reality? What do we as a people have to accept as the changes that this world that we once knew and we will no longer ever have again and adopt a new world order that is increasingly a reality, a reality which we cannot escape from? Mm. I think on a very large scale, what you start realizing is that Honestly, pandemics make societies, communities, nations that much more vulnerable all the way through to what individuals would be experiencing. Um, You also just realize that what we thought we knew uh, and were maybe in control of um, is less predictable and uh, even controllable. How do we then ensure that our collective well-being is still protected and we somehow emerge out of this um, still strong and still able to um, function, whether it's at an economic level, whether it's at an academic level, or just what uh, families and individuals would have to grapple with. So collective well-being is under strain. Talking about collective well-being, I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to ask you to please reply to it after the ad break that we have to Mm -hmm. take right now. For many, I'm thinking now when I was in matric, I looked forward to being a school prefect, a hostel prefect, a house captain, captain of the athletics team, captain of the school rugby side, my third team rugby side anyway. I wasn't that gifted to be in the first team. The matric dance and engaging with the staff in a manner that is almost different because I'm a senior to the school now. Mm-hmm. I'm a leader within the school. I'm engaging my peers for what will, for the most part, be for the last time. All of a sudden, all of that is taken away. I'm talking about now the loss of amenity or the loss of the value outside mm-hmm. the classroom of my being a school grade 12 lever in a couple of months' time. Does it not feel, or might it not feel, for those who are on matric now, that the end came long before they were mentally and or physically prepared for it? The loss of amenity, therefore, psychologically, how damaging is that for the scholars who find themselves in the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of a revolution that is nobody's doing other than for us to simply accept it and, which is more, wait it out until day who knows when. That's your response, please, after the ad break. Let's take a short break. It's 21.20, everybody. 10 or so minutes to go, so please keep your questions coming. The Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. Songhe Zomapete on SAFM. 
If you are unlike me and are in matric and listening to SAFM, well done. That's the first steps to intellectualism because there was no way I was listening to SAFM as an 18-year-old. To the extent that you are and you are in matric and you are just trying to make sense of the time in which the world is in South Africa in particular and where you are as it pertains to your academic journey, being a matric and all, but being forced to be at home, please contribute to this discussion. We really would be interested in your thoughts. 0614-104-107. That's the WhatsApp voice note line that you can drop us. Alternatively, if you wish, we can even call you back, but otherwise call us on 891 104-207, Ms. Ashley Mutena, Industrial Psychologist and Management and Leadership Academic Program Manager developer, sorry, at the South African College of Applied Psychology is on the line and she responds to a question I asked before the break. Ashley, yours. Thank you. So I think for a lot of students and learners, uh, social distancing and even something like a lockdown most likely feels like being forcefully socially disconnected perhaps. Um, and with that comes feelings of frustration and disappointment um, and even helplessness in some cases uh, because I think one thing that even as a college we have noted is that the risk of disengagement just seems that much higher for students when uh, the Thing that you are highly motivated to engage with has now been changed and perhaps loses its value and it almost feels like perhaps this is not what you signed up for. How do you then remain hopeful um, and still engaged either in what is going on, what your institution is trying to do as a interim plan for you to still study or learn? Or even what does it mean at this point of your career in terms of even what our grade 12 uh, learner was asking about applications, about um, perhaps apprenticeships, um, graduate programs after this, or even just how you thought your career would be um, unfolding once uh, you finish with the the formal academic part um, of your career. So lots of of feelings and thoughts. Absolutely, and that's just not the responsibility, if you like, of the learner, him or herself, because parents are invariably going to be involved in this being a very critical transition phase of one's academic career or even commercial career or economic career because Mm. not everybody's going to go to university. Not everybody's supposed to go to university. University is but one way or one avenue for self-actualization. For many, matric should be the end, and they Mm. can go straight into industry. How then do you engage parents to, first of all, exercise some patience with the scholars because, I mean, they're obviously treating this as something which is completely new to them as well and equally frightening, and at the same time to exercise the kind of caution and care in continuously guiding the learner, not necessarily dictating, especially at this time. We're coming to you, Anonymous and KZN. Please stay on the line. Ashley? All right, then. So in that sense, I would really think that parents or supporters in this case would have to almost tune into their own uh, emotions and feelings that they have attached uh, to the career pursuits of of their children or those that they are sponsoring um, and just unpack for themselves what they have to perhaps let go of in order to best support and empower uh, learners and students during this time. How then do you become uh, a holder of hope or an encourager 
of optimism in a time like this. I think resilience uh, building is just a big area that uh, parents can focus on. How do you then encourage um, your child to uh, really cope better uh, with what's happening and engage differently uh, with what they are feeling and even the thoughts uh, that are racing through their minds. And it might even be a case of uh, encouraging them to reach out into the greater village then in terms of psychosocial support um, and anything that might be of help um, in terms of processing what they are going through and still remaining intact. Um, and it is a tough time to try and even support uh, someone else when you yourself um, are trying to reckon with uh, where we are and what needs to physically happen for for you to move forward. Uh, but I think a very big part would be still encouraging students to stay connected um, to their support structure. Many, many students are not actually with their families or their support structure, um, and that brings about other um, other challenges. So how do you stay connected, with, be it phone calls, be it encouraging rest, which is something that generally people we don't do as well sometimes, especially when uh, either career pursuits or academic endeavors are involved. Let's take a couple of calls. Thanks for that. Let's go to Neville in Durban, please, and then we go to our regular caller, Anonymous, equally in KZN. Good evening, Neville. Good evening. Thank you very much for taking my call. Uh, I'd like to talk about the experiences of students with disabilities that access higher education Mm -hmm. and the impact this might have on that cohort of students who actually come to higher education basically with the hope that they would get the additional support. So students get student support, but students with disabilities come with a, a level, require a level of support, even in the living, living spaces, the learning spaces, to announce them being able to access the curriculum, to be able to get um, the, the skills that they require to, to, to live and learn independently. Uh, many of these students come from attending uh, largely special schools where they were already away from home for the greater part of their lives, mm-hmm. come to university and now get access to some of these services. And with this kind of break, it actually takes them back to, to, to their homes. Actually, for many of them, it could be the first time they're being at home for actually more than a month mm-hmm. for sure. um, without the requisite support and are still expected to be able to access learning. And so with, with, with the current break in the higher education space, this will actually further uh, impact their learning and them being able to, access, to, to achieve their academic outcomes. So I thought I just wanted to put that out there because it's a group of students that is often mm. forgotten yes. in higher education. You are absolutely right. I do appreciate that because, I mean, just to dovetail with what you're saying there, Neville, there's an SMS that has just come through. Hi, I have a mental disability in my final year master's student. I am shattered. What do I do? And I think the many nuances associated with a student therefore are especially important at this time because it's quite easy, as you've correctly pointed out, for many to fall by the wayside because everybody's just consumed by the mainstream and whatever the mainstream is. So we appreciate your call, Neville. Thanks for that. Let's go to Anonymous in KZN before we wrap up the conversation with Ashley Moten. Anonymous, good evening. 
talking to you, Sangeso, uh, Sangeso, and your guest as well. Indeed. I just want to put a question forward. Uh, they, I heard in the news earlier on that they are giving free data for the metric students only uh, at the rural areas. I'm inquiring what about the people who go to treasury and, um, you know, or, the, or go to varsity and, and live in the rural areas? Fantastic. Uh, will they be not supporting them as well? Well, I don't know to what extent um, you can speak to that, but you want to give it a try, please, Ashley? All right, then. Thank you for uh, the messages and calls. Uh, so on the point of data, um, one of the biggest things that even Dr. Mayer highlighted is the ongoing discussions around either zero-rated data or reduce core or what does access look like so i would think the institution that students uh, finding themselves in that position are in um, should really be to reach out to the institutions and find out what the progress is and what the plan is because whatever would be promulgated or gazetted would need to then filter down to institutions in a practical way that still serves the needs of um, of students. So um, that's what I would comment there because it really is valid that uh, with the socioeconomic challenges that we have, we cannot um, ignore questions like this or um, still leave without an answer as to what then happens to students like that who have a strong desire to still remain engaged in their studies. They're not necessarily wanting to pause, but um, have those particular constraints. Fantastic. Um, Yeah, you want to respond to the other one? Yes. So on the point of... uh, disabilities and inclusion are definitely a very big challenge um, in a sense that this is where your student support uh, departments and stakeholders uh, within um, institutions would really be needing to come up with uh, practical solutions uh, that don't further exclude uh, people living with disabilities um, and who have then chosen to study with you and still want to make an academic success um, of this year. Um, And that's even one of the things that we have also had to consider what even amending something like an assessment or an assignment would mean for every single student with their different points of need. So um, definitely a a comment that I appreciate. And then in terms of postgraduate pressure, goes without saying that where does it leave honours, masters, PhD students in terms of supervisory support, in terms of accessing the best resources, as well as just coping with what is generally a stressful um, endeavour. And I really think this is where uh, making use of the psychosocial support services becomes so key because uh, it's very easy for students to unravel and for burnout to happen if you are now trying to do too many things um, each day to um, attend to your studies or your research um, and just depleting your resources um, or perhaps not finding that the support that you have is what you are needing. So sometimes an objective person uh, might actually offer that support. So whether it is the likes of the South African and Oppression Anxiety Group 
whether it's the likes of the counseling hub who have all made virtual or telephonic uh, connection options available so that people can still be receiving that type of support, I think really is key for postgraduate students. Well, that wisdom surely is not going to go unnoticed. We do appreciate your time. Thanks again, Ms. Ashley Modena, industrial psychologist at the South African College of Applied Psychology. Let's go to the book reading now to quote myself.